And I think, I, I, in fact, I know that um, he shed a lot of light on confusion. Amen. And and I, I found out the, let's see, the how not to be confused. Amen. How to move from confusion into wisdom. Amen. So, Father, we do thank and praise you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. And we thank and praise you. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And praise God. Well, overcoming confusion with wisdom. Amen. Wisdom is the principal thing the Bible tells us. We're going to be looking in Proverbs 3.13 if you want to turn there. And the the book of Proverbs talks from the first chapter to the 31st. I like how it ends with Proverbs Proverbs 31 woman. And I always, for many, many years, thought that was me. Amen. Still do. (laughs) Amen. I, I saw a lot of similarities in Lady Wisdom and myself. Amen. Especially when it came to uh, the home in Proverbs 31. <clears throat> but all chapters from 1 to 31 uh, speaks on wisdom or gives you some little tidbit. Proverbs is mostly little nuggets, nuggets of gold, nuggets of gold. <laughs> and that was from an old movie. But anyway, <laughs> you find nuggets everywhere you go if you listen. Amen. Wisdom is knowing the truth and how to apply it to any given situation. Knowing the truth, that's really what wisdom is. And knowing how to apply that uh, knowledge to every situation in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's good to know wisdom. Hallelujah. Without it, we just can't make it. Wisdom is knowing the truth. Wisdom is having knowledge. Without not, but knowledge without wisdom and understanding is futile. In other words, it's it's baseless. It's pointless. It's ineffective. That word <clears throat> that word futile means fruitless. Amen. Ineffective. No use. So if you have a lot of knowledge, but you don't have wisdom, then it's, it's baseless. Amen. So you, because you have to know how to apply wisdom. I mean, I'm sorry. You have to know how to apply knowledge to have wisdom. Amen. Uh, and that, that kind of makes sense, too. So promises come to those who seek wisdom. Always seek wisdom. Amen. Now, the flip side of not um, not seeking wisdom, as I know already. Amen. Ricky said, maybe so. <laughs> what is she talking about? Maybe so. <laughs> I know. But, you know, you have to desire godly wisdom. Amen. Because this is how you get out of situations. Amen. Because the devil is always there to entrap us. And so if we pursue knowledge and the wisdom of God, then you'll always come out on top. Amen. So let's go to Proverbs 3.13. And I thought we'd just uh, read a lot of scriptures 
pertaining to wisdom, and then I think we'll get understanding from them. So Proverbs 3.13, and then we're going to go through 18. It says, uh, let's see, 3.13. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, and it refers to wisdom, is her. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Amen. So wisdom founded the earth. Wisdom is important for us to have. It says it's, it's worth more than money. Amen. More precious than rubies. Wisdom must be, I mean, there's no comparison. Amen. No comparison with anything. So let's see. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Let's flip over. 4 verse 5. And it says, get wisdom, get understanding, and do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Amen. How do you forsake wisdom? By using your own wisdom. Amen. By um, not seeking God for answers, but seeking your own, uh, your own understanding or having your own plans. And that's how you forsake wisdom. But it says in verse 6, do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. In other words, it's the most important thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. So it preserves your life. Wisdom preserves your life. Let's see, where am I in 10? Uh, And the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in, in the way of wisdom. And I have led you in the right path. And when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Amen. In verse 13, and we'll get back to 13 again. It says, take firm hold of instructions and do not let go. Keep her for she is your life. Amen. Take firm instructions. And that means obey whatever God tells you to do. When God rebuke you or when he smite you, don't rebuke it. Amen. When you are a person, it's like this. A person who has wisdom will appreciate the rebuke. 
a, a, a renegade is going to get mad about the rebuke. That's how you know. And I never thought of it like that. But when you know you have wisdom, it's when you understand that you need more than what the world can provide. Because wisdom is a spiritual thing. And when you receive rebuke, it's a kindness. But a a person that does not have wisdom doesn't look at it as a kindness. A person that does not have have, uh, wisdom looks at a rebuke as um, anything, uh, you know what I'm saying, anything that you may think. That's what a person looks at, wisdom. I mean, a rebuke because they don't have wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is why now you understand that scripture. It's the beginning of wisdom when you fear the Lord. When the Lord smite and rebuke you, you appreciate it and you listen. And see, that's the first, I think that's the most important thing about wisdom as you open your ears that you may hear so that you can seal your instructions. Now, the last scripture we talked about in verse 13, it says, take hold of instruction and do not let go. That's when God chastises you or puts you on the right road, whether it's through the the pulpit or he does it personally from him to you. You You have to receive what God is saying. He is trying to give you instructions, but do you hear? In other words, sometimes... Let me, let me read this. Hold firm. Hold firm. Um, take firm hold of instructions and do not. See, it's like this. Where do you think the instruction is coming from? You have to be able to see God in an instruction. You can't just hear an instruction and right away think it's that person. You have to test the spirits by the spirit. That's what I do. And I always test it to see what spirit is that, <laughs> you know, because a lot of times it's not God. Amen. But you have to hold fast to your instructions. You have to be able to see wisdom identifies a voice. Wisdom understands if a voice is of God or it's coming from that person, from the flesh of that person. That's what wisdom is all about. Wisdom is kind of a strange thing, yet it's so natural and so easy to understand. But you have to be, in other words, to be a person that has wisdom, the bottom line is humility. That's what it's all about, humility. How will you receive it? Will you hear God's voice in the instruction? Do you understand that that is for you? Because sometimes people just shut everything and everybody off because they feel a certain way. But God is trying to help us, I think, uh, reading in the Proverbs about wisdom will help us to decipher where a voice is coming from. Or if that's coming from somebody's flesh, or is that for me? Because there's been plenty of people that have tried to uh, um, prophesy to me, and I said no. I shut them down because I, I know that that spirit is not of God. And I know that it's, it was the devil and I would not receive it. So you have to be able. But I think wisdom helps you to determine if something is from God or if it's not. But you have to own lady wisdom 
to even have uh, discernment to know where a voice is coming from. And so wisdom helps you decipher God's voice. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Proverbs 9. Let's flip over to chapter 9, verse 10. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what does it mean by the fear of the Lord? When you start to acknowledge and reverence God in his voice. When you start to, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that you can receive that word or the instruction or whatever it is that God is trying to, you know, this can be in your prayer closet. It doesn't have to be in a church setting. If you're in your prayer closet and you hear a voice or God tells you to do something, you have to know that that voice is coming from God and there is a way that you can tell if it's from God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. When you humble yourself to the Lord, that you know what that means? That means you don't have any plans anymore. You take your plans out, plan B, you bury it. And you say, God, whatever it is that you want me to do. I used to always be scared to say that because I thought God was going to send me to Africa. <laughs> so I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, God, whatever you want me to do, because I said, he might send me to Africa. You know what I'm saying. So, but you have to remove all of those plans and say, God, whatever you want me to do, then I'll do it. But it takes a while to humble yourself. And that's what humbling, and see, now I don't have a problem with doing it. Not that I still kind of think he might do that, but I don't worry about it anymore. You know what I'm saying? I don't worry. I just said I eat raw stuff and don't like Robert Slayerton. I ate food that moved and didn't gripe. So I said I just have to adopt uh, his, his uh, you know, his attitude toward it. But is that Africa thing was always with me, you know. <laughs> well, if I tell him I'll do anything, he's going to send me there. Amen. So, but it's not such a fear anymore. Amen. But I, I still think about it. But I say, well, God, you know best. Because if I'm, if I'm here at home and things are not going well, I don't, I'm not accomplishing anything anyway. So sometimes you just have to lay yourself, lay everything down. Lay all of your preconceived notions. Maybe he want me to go on, on Forest Hill and pass tracks out. That wasn't so hard. Amen. And so you never know, but it's, it's about humbling yourself unto God, no matter what he might tell you to do. That's how wisdom comes. Wisdom comes from humility. Amen. Okay, so verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, I'll read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Hallelujah. Now let's flip over to Proverbs 16. Praise God. Proverbs 16, 16. And it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Did I read that right? The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. And then it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So now we know where uh, 
where uh, why we need to humble ourselves because of pride. See, when you are in pride, which goes before destruction, that means you don't want to hear none God has to say because you already have had your life figured out. You already know what you want to do. You already have made plans. And so that's pride. And it says it goes before destruction. So you get in pride and then God speaks to you for a long time. You don't listen. And then destruction comes. It says in a haughty spirit before a fall. So you get into pride. You get haughty, get into pride. And then you don't know what happened. But verse 19 says, better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Amen. Praise God. Verse 20 says, he who heed the word wisely will find good. So that means you have to. You must receive the word of the Lord. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent. Amen. It says, um, and the sweetness of lips of the lips increases learning. That means the nicer, the better the things come out of your mouth, or the more productive things you allow come out of your mouth, the better it is. In other words, depart from a foul mouth. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So verse 22 says, understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fools is folly. In other words, you know, it says you cannot correct a foolish person because they don't receive it. And you wind up in an argument. And that's why you have to just leave it alone and let let God speak to people. Because, shoot, people reject God's word. We all have done that. We reject the word of God. So how are they going to sit up and listen to you? You understand what I'm saying? So you have to let God work. Verse 23 says, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Amen. I'll stop right there. So we know how important wisdom is. The Bible keeps talking about wisdom and how it's worth more than silver and gold. So we know how important wisdom is. The Bible speaks very highly of wisdom and tells us it's more important than anything. But how do you get it? And why is wisdom so important? Why is it? the principal thing you ever wondered that just say okay god point blank give me a cover story you know make it easy for me to understand hallelujah because wisdom has to do with one's attitude amen it's it's let's see in your relationship with god it's your attitude and your relationship with god that's why it's so important in other words, if you're haughty and arrogant, you will not. You don't have a relationship with God, because the closer you get to God, the more humble you become. The closer you get to God in relationship, the less you stumble, and the less there's less in between you and God. 
Amen. And so the closer you get to God, the more wisdom you will have. The further away from God you are, the less wisdom you'll have. You have to humble yourself to get close to God. There has to be barriers broken. There must be nothing in between you and God. Jesus tore the curtain already, and he removed that separation between us and God. So what's the problem? See, we stay separated from God because of us. Flesh separates us from God. But the closer you get in relationship to God, the more wisdom you have, the more understanding you have, and the better, um, the stronger you become. Because when you're close to God, he gives you strength. Amen. So the further you are in your relationship to God, or the, the deeper your relationship, the stronger your relationship, the more wisdom you'll have. That's where wisdom comes from. It comes from him. Amen. So in other words, it's all about humility and having a humble spirit. Humility is meekness. It's lack of vanity. It's sub, submissiveness. See, if you're not submitted to God or submitted to man as unto God, then you won't, that's not a submissive spirit. Then you're, the opposite of that is arrogance and um, what's that other word? I can't hear, but whatever I was talking about, yeah, you're not humble, arrogance, and vanity, and so if you have vanity or um, stuff like that going on, or I'll put it so you can understand it better, if you're still trying to run things and not submit to God and what he wants you to do, then you won't have a humble spirit. Amen. But a modest or low view of one's own importance, in other words, view yourself uh, more, what is that, more humble than, than God. You know, what's it? Don't think of yourself more highly. Because when you do, you're thinking yourself more highly of God. In other words, God, you don't know what I need. You created me. You put me here. You kept me healthy. You provided for me, but you don't know what's best for me. And that's arrogance. That's vanity. In other words, you're not done with your plan B. Can you get me that, that uh, stool back there, the soft one, if it's still back there? Thank you. And so anyway, uh, uh, humility is humbleness or the absence of pride. We don't ever want to get in pride. But you know that old pride will sneak up on you anyway? It'll sneak up on you. It will. And then you don't even realize you're in pride. Thank you. This is good. Actually, this one is better. Oh, no, I, I'm good. This is soft. That's why I didn't call for that wood one. <laughs> it's just a little low, but I'm, I'm not on camera, so don't nobody have to see me. me uh, Ravi Kapoor he's always uh, concerned about me and Barb he says oh he says uh, Pastor Shirley you sit down are you okay and I'm like can you can you lay hands on me <laughs> so I'm okay <laughs> what you got to bring to the table 
<laughs> Amen. Oh, me. So humility is humbleness or the absence of pride. And none of us want to be in pride, but that pride is sneaky. It'll sneak up on you when you least expect it. You know, sometimes the Lord will tell me, you know, you ever uh, been, let's see, where God got quiet on you? And it is, you know, a certain situation, been there long, 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 years, years, years. And then you want him to talk to you or you give prophecies. It's not about that. Amen. Well, let me tell you what I learned. (laughs) I learned that you have to put what he has given you into practice. And if you've done that, he says, just stand. He don't want you to make a move. Quit trying to orchestrate or plan concerning that thing. And just move on to something else. I have spoken on that. And I'm like, oh, okay. But. You know, it's so it's a lot of ways to fall into pride and you not know it. Trying to control that one thing or trying to plan it or figure out how it's going to work into your life. Well, let me tell you something, but I found out it don't. God has, it's like a, a square peg with a round hole. Trying to put a round square peg into a round hole. It won't fit. And God allows it not to fit. It, you, your ima- wildest imagination can't fix this thing. God has to do it. And so when you have lady wisdom working in your life, you understand those things and you don't fall into that pride trap because you start trying to control this thing. It ain't going to never happen. I got to make this work. See, that's pride, but don't seem like it, but that's pride. Amen. But when we finally understand it, it ain't going to work. Nothing we do. And we submit ourselves, submission, submit to God's plan it's like this with God, your time, and whatever. I'm just going to serve you. And when we fall into that, when we do that, then the, the arrogance and the pride leaves us. And then we start to uh, do things God's way. And, it's in, and situations tend to move further, and you start to see what God is doing. And you say, wow, God has been working in my behalf all this time. But pride will cause you not to be able to see it because you're not working your own magic. Amen. But see, you can fall into pride and not even know it. Because I I felt really bad. I said, wow, I've been trying to, because I just said, God, there's a problem here. What is it? And when I started to get in my word and see I was not, pleased with how God was doing it. That's your first step over into pride. Let me do this right. And so, but we have to back up and humble ourselves. That's what that means. That scripture that says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And that means submit to God, no matter whether it's good or bad, learn to be, what's that? Whatever state you in, content, right? See, contentment, is, is great gain when you're under God's authority. Amen. And then you find out this situation ain't going to kill me. It's, and I, it's not going to bug me. And I don't care how it looks from the outside. It cannot harm me because God is with me. But, but you know, you'd be surprised how quickly we can turn in. And see, this is where wisdom comes in. See, wisdom knows that God is with you. Wisdom knows this thing has an expiration date. Amen. 
And see, we we keep that date. We keep stamping with that rubber stamp. Continue, continue, because we don't turn it over to God. But the expiration date has already been stamped on this thing. Amen. And so we have to trust God in all things. And so when you trust God, that's a, a, a sign of humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. We will never reach out for God's wisdom if we are arrogant and full of ourselves. So it's good to have confidence. See, that's why we need confidence in God. If you don't have confidence in God, you got to do something, you know. So you just get up and start handling it yourself because that lack of confidence. And so we have to work on our confidence in God. Amen. Our dependency upon God is so important. It's nothing wrong with depending on God. But see, we look, you know how we look at, I can speak for myself. You know how you, you want to be independent. You don't want to depend on man. I just use it in my situation. I don't want to depend on my kids. You know, and I don't like it when they try to be my parent. I see what my father went through. He used to tell us, shut up, you don't tell me what to do. And I'm thinking to myself, you need to appreciate what we're doing. But to him, and we were bossing him around. He didn't want to leave his apartment building, and we got rid of it. We didn't care how he felt. You know what I'm saying? And so I kind of understand where kids are coming from. So you don't want to submit to their authority, because that's backwards. You know, according to the world's view, that's backwards. And so it's kind of like that. With God, we don't want to submit to his authority because we don't think he understands. We don't think he knows what's good for us. But the good thing about God is he don't throw stuff up in your face. He just, you just go to him and you submit and you repent. And then he takes over and everything. And then when here the kids come trying to tell you what to do, say, shut up. I don't need you, you know. I got this. Me and God has this, you know. And then when you submit to God, it doesn't feel like you're fighting people because it's so easy god puts you back in control of your life and where you could just tell your kids go sit on it you know and see my father didn't know god so he had no choice but because we knew god we were doing the best thing for him but still he didn't see it that way no parents see that that way but when you're born again you know how to give your kids your parents a break and let and work with god because Bridget is just tired of me. And, she's, she, and she just said, okay, she don't bug me no more. You want to stay there, stay there. You know what I'm saying. She left me alone. So anyway, Mac is learning. Tony don't care. He don't care where I stay. And that's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Matt called me the other day and said, well, what, what do I have to do to get you to put that house on the market? And I said, nothing, nothing at all. You ain't got to do nothing. You know, so they, I'll leave when God tell me to leave. And I don't want to get ahead of him anymore. And so I'll leave when he tells me to leave. It's coming. I know it. But he's going to show everybody I'm doing things. And, and I just submitted to him because I didn't know what else to do. I had done everything they told me to do. And it wasn't working. Amen. Them kids, they don't know everything. 
Amen. But we have to reach out for God's wisdom. God, speak to me. Show me what you're doing. You know, and then he said, you got a little bit ahead. So just, you know, chill. And I'm, I'm working this out. And then he had to give me a prophecy, a couple prophecies. I'm cool now. Amen. And so, you know, God will, will uh, confirm everything that he tells you with signs. But it's just that way. You know, you have to, you really have to fight to stay in God's, <laughs> you know, it's God's way. Because the devil will use anybody to try to throw you off. And, and their hearts are right. Don't get me wrong. Their hearts are right. I'm, I'm thankful that my kids want me around. Amen. But, you know, you just have to obey God. Proverbs 3, 7, if we'll go back there. We were in 3 when we started. Let's go back to 3 and let's do verse 7. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See, it's evil when you try to do things yourself. The word just said it. It says, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Amen. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's what we do when we take over what God is supposed to be doing for us. Because we see Um, We trust ourselves more than we trust him. Amen. But you have to just get out on a limb. I call it going out on a limb and say, God, you do this because I tried everything and nothing's working. So you have to go out on a limb with God. It's a good place to be. Amen. And trust him to get things back in order. And then, you know, we do. We find out it wasn't so bad after all. God ain't so bad. In fact, he's the best thing that could ever happen to us. Amen. Amen. So arrogance and pride is evil. Jeremiah said, do not glory in our own sight. Do not glory in our own sight. In other words, be humble enough to know that we need God and we need his wisdom. Amen. You need his wisdom just to fight devils. Amen. Can't do it without him. Let's flip over. We're going to come back to Proverbs, but let's flip over to 1 Corinthians 3. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3.18. And it says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, drop everything you know. Maybe you know a lot because it's, you know, people are smart, especially if they've gone to school and gotten a, a good education. It's not that you don't know anything. But in other words, the word is saying avoid worldly wisdom so drop what you know because even education somewhere intertwined in education and degree i'm telling you is worldly understanding look at what they're doing on college campuses now and so you have to drop the word is saying in first corinthians 3 let no one deceive himself if anyone among you seem to be wise in his 
in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, we need God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom, or not our own wisdom of what we think is right. Verse 19 says, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. (laughs) In other words, their own schemes, their own arrogance, their own cunningness, their own deception. He catches the wise. Amen. Verse 20. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. And we talked about that earlier. That word frutal means baseless. It has no effect. It's not. It has no power. It's, It's void. So it's just a waste of time to keep trying to keep your own thing going. Instead of just humbling, forget what you know and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God to receive his wisdom, his knowledge. And it's so much better. Amen. Hallelujah. So we must learn to stop and listen. And that's important with wanting to gain wisdom, listening, developing a listening ear. Don't just wipe things off like we do everything. We must desire more of God and have a a humble spirit and a humble soul and a thirsty soul for God, more of God. Look, if you don't want more of God, you'll never have wisdom. You got to have a humble heart because wisdom comes through humility. And that means forgetting what you know and just being a become a fool. And like verse 18 says, first Corinthians uh, 3.18, become a fool so that you can become wise. I mean, drop your stuff. You know, forget about what you, your plans or what you know. And just say, God, have you ever done that? I have. God, I don't know nothing. I'm tired. Please take over. Because every time I come out of one thing, I'm in a tailspin on something else. So help me. And take over. That's becoming a fool so that you can become wise. Because worldly knowledge is not good knowledge because it's not God's knowledge. Knowledge that we concoct on our own is not God's knowledge. But when we humble ourselves to God and to his thought, his purpose, his plan, when we humble ourselves uh, under God's mighty hand, we receive his knowledge. Amen. And so this is what God is is saying. I just want to talk a little bit more about desire and desiring God. If that desire for more of God, let's just say when I was in a traditional church and I didn't know any better, I I didn't want any more of God because I thought the closer I got to God, I was going to stop having to drink beer and have fun. And we gave a, a New Year's Eve party every year <clears throat> and I knew we were going to have to stop doing that so I didn't want more of God until I, be, I uh, became baptized in the Holy Ghost and when I became baptized in the Holy Ghost I knew there was more and I wanted more and I started searching for more I even started going around asking people in the church is there more if you don't I thought it was like the end of the world but I realized that my world was just opening up <coughs> up to something new and, and different and wonderful. 
And so I found out many years later, you have to have, have that desire on the inside of you. If you don't want more of God, then what are you living for? There's really nothing to live for. More of God, and that's what we all need. <coughs> Excuse me, more of God, and we all need that. So in other words, when you want more of God, you have a thirsty soul. We all need a thirsty soul. We have to have that. We must desire and hunger for more righteousness. Thank, thanks, Nola. <coughs> we need to hunger and thirst after more righteousness so that we can be filled. That Do you know that's the only way you are filled with more righteousness is to hunger after it? You have to hunger after the things of God. You have to want the things of God. Why? So you can do verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 3. Lay down everything you know. Become a fool to become wise. We have to desire everything that God has for us. And, and it's like putting down or resting your case. Y'all know what I'm saying? Rest your case and relax so that you can pick up God. And pick up his plan and his purposes. Amen. This is how you find the will of God. You rest your case. You surrender everything that you thought was important. And you say, God, and, and it ain't easy sometimes. Because you got to put up with a whole lot of stuff that you don't like. But see, I, you know what I found out in my many, many years? It's all a test. It's a test from God to see what you're going to do. Amen. I don't like those kind of tests, but you know what? They're necessary because it's putting down, doing what verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 3, becoming a fool so that you become wise. That means laying down everything that's right or wrong, no matter who's wrong or who's right. It don't matter. I found that because I said, yeah, it matters. It mattered until God had to walk me through that. And it was a hard pill to swallow, but it really don't. Because you know why? This is what the Lord was telling me. You're still going to have to walk in love. So make the adjustments or stay confused. You know what I'm saying? But see, wisdom takes confusion away from us. When you have wisdom, there's no more confusion. We need to develop a spiritual hunger. If you don't have a hunger for more stuff of God, more, more, more. It's just like I notice most of the people in here, they enjoy um, going out witnessing. Amen. I noticed that. You may not do a whole lot of stuff right. <laughs> but I noticed the people in here liked that. That's because they desire more. They desire to, we, I should say, desire to see people healed, set free, serving God. That's a good thing. Amen. And so we shouldn't let the, de see, in other words, I'm saying this, we ain't as bad as we think we are. The devil want to paint a bad picture of you. He does everybody like that. But you have to make him stop and say, oh, no, mm -mm, I'm going to pass out tracts. I'm going to uh, pray with people. Just the, 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 just the thought that you have that desire 
in your heart, you don't run from doing that. That's everything. Amen. Praying with people. That's everything. Amen. You know what my husband told me a couple weeks ago? He said, um, he says, I know God's going to heal you because you've prayed for so many people and they got healed. He said, because I got healed. I want to slap him. Because I'm like, he knows that. But see, God speaks to the unsaid. He speaks to these people. And don't think they're not watching you. So I told the Lord, I better get healed. <laughs> they're watching. But he, he gave his prophecy. So I said, okay. And I, I thank God for that. Because that gave me uh, encouragement, you know. He said, you, you prayed for too many. And see, this is how you plead your case to God. So you know what I did? I would say, God, I prayed for too many people. And I want my healing now in Jesus' name. I started to say, Big Daddy said it. <laughs> but, but I said, it's coming from me. I prayed for too many. And, it's, and see, that's what Nehemiah did when he turned his face to the wall. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. He brought up everything he did. That's scriptural. Amen. I said, now he giving me the word. Look at that. Look at that. He giving me the word. We're not live streaming. Amen. Hallelujah. God will use anybody he has to use to speak to you. And let you know that just because you have some things to go through is not, don't take it personally. You know what I'm saying? It, you know, good things and bad things come to everybody. But the important, it's not important what you go through, it's coming out. Amen. So I got a prophecy that I'm coming out because of what I have done for God. Praise God. And that was a shocker. But it's good to hear. And, and it came when I needed to hear that. Because God don't want you sitting up saying, why this happened? Why that happened? It happened because it happened. You know what I'm saying? But God is with us. Oh, my goodness. He is with us and he would use anybody. Because, see, he don't want to lose his people. He don't want to lose us. Because we do great works for him. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So we need to crave and hunger the things of God, you know, like that deer that pants for water. We need to be following after God, want more of him, not running away from the things of God, but we need to desire more of God, crave the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And see, when you crave the things of God, this is how you seal his instructions. Amen. Let's go back to that instruction thing. I forgot where it was. Let's see. Was it in, I think it was in Proverbs. Yeah, 3, 7. Hallelujah. Proverbs. Where is Proverbs? Proverbs 3, 7. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Just a minute. Verse 3, 7. Uh, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. The one that talks about sealing those instructions. 
4. Okay, yeah, we did go into 4. 4.13. It says, take firm hold of instruction and do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. And instruction of God really means chastisement, discipline, admonishment, rebuke, warning. Amen. The instructions of God. We need to desire that. And then we won't be confused. That's why we're confused. Because we don't want the instructions of God. You know why? Not because we don't love God. Too hard. You ever felt like everything is just too hard to God? That He just mentions hard stuff to me. <laughs> but it ain't hard. It just ain't what we want to hear. We want to hear easy stuff. Amen. Okay, let's go to Proverbs 5. We're in 4 now. Let's go to 5. Verse 22. And it says, For they are life to those that find it. Oh, wait a minute. I should probably go up. Let's go to 20. And we're familiar with this. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not in 5. That sound too familiar. Yeah. Not let the word depart out of your mouth. Keep it in the midst of your heart, for they are life. That's our healing. Amen. Praise God. Okay, Proverbs 5.22. I have it. And it says, his own iniquities entrap the wicked man. Well, let's go to... Hmm. Let's go to 21. It says, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his path. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, um, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for the lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Amen. And so God wants wants us to receive instruction. You see how important instructions is? Because it says his own iniquities entrap the wicked man. Amen. So our iniquities will trap us if we are wicked. And he is caught in the cords of his sin. And it says he shall die for lack of instruction. See how important it is to receive instruction from God. Become foolish so that we can become wise. In other words, drop our own plans and receive his instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. If you keep rebuking God's instructions, then you go astray. Amen. So in other words, our own iniquities is a trap to us. Amen. But we're not wicked. We're, we're, we're um, redeemed. Amen. So this talks about the wicked man. Amen. In other words, if you correct, if you correct a wicked man and he will, he'll hate you. We touched on this a little bit. In other words, he won't receive it. He won't receive correction from you. Correct a man with wisdom and he will love you and he will receive it. So wickedness always, if you got wickedness in you, you can be born again and have wickedness in you. Wickedness will rebuke instruction. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why I went back to that 
scripture in three verse seven or four verse seven. You must receive instruction from God or somebody that, um, you know, your overseers because you humble yourself to people as to God as unto God. God still looks at that as not because I don't want you to do nothing for me. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want you to go to the store. I don't want you to cut my grass. I'm not trying to get you to do anything for me. I just want you to obey God. You obey man as unto the Lord. You don't be afraid of what they might ask you to do. Amen. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't need nothing from the store. Proverbs 9. Let's go to Proverbs 9. So let's flip over. Verse 8. It says, do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, he will love you. Give instructions to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. You know how sometimes you say, what are they telling me that for? I already know that. Amen. But the more you, you, the more instructions you get, the wiser you become. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. So when you reverence that voice of God, it don't matter who it is. If you recognize that voice of God, that's why you have discernment. So you'll know if that voice, sometimes these people is just the devil or the devil trying to confuse you. But if you know the voice of God, you don't have a problem humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And sometimes we can get confused on the two and we need to wait it out. Just obedience is better than sacrifice. Obey and and let God show you something. But rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. We all need the fear of the Lord. And see, the fear of the Lord is what causes you to receive a word in season or receive instructions. Now, I'm not telling you let anybody prophesy to you. I'm not going to tell you nothing that I ain't going to do. I'm not going to do that. Amen. The more you get to know God, the more humility that you have and the more stable you become. There's stability and humility. Stability and humility. Hallelujah. The further away from God we are, the more a confidence we become in our own wisdom. See how people get their own wisdom? Further away from God they are. Wisdom and knowledge comes from God. Not, but we don't want our own wisdom and knowledge. And sometimes that's a hard thing to walk out. You ever, God ever showed you something and then you, you thought, you thought it was God and then he showed you it wasn't? And you've been believing that since you was 13. <laughs> and then you say, you mean that wasn't God all that time? No. Nope. So it's good to, it's good to humble yourself and relax and learn. Um, become foolish so that you can become wise. Drop all your stuff, all your knowledge. Drop it and pick up what God is doing. If we build our relationship with God, in other words, if we seek him more, meditate on the word, um, then the more spiritual hunger, the more spiritual hunger we will have. 
We need spiritual hunger. Seek and hunger after God with our whole hearts. I, I remember reading this book by Robert Laird and it's called Spiritual Hunger. Anybody remember that book? And I used to think to myself, boy, I wish I could be like him because I want to know more about God, and, but it just ain't in here. You know how that, that appetite for it just ain't there? But, I, you know, but this is what I found out. The more you stay in the word, the more that appetite will come. Amen. You got to feed. You have to feed your, your spirit. Spiritual hunger comes from spiritual things. Amen. Cry out to God with our whole heart and we will develop a spiritual hunger for spiritual things. Amen. Hide the word in your heart. Amen. Spiritual hunger increases your appetite for more spiritual food. It's like if you start feeding yourself, like, okay, look at it like this. You've been uh, coming, okay, I stayed home one time, uh, you know, three, about three or four weeks ago from the meeting on Saturday. I ain't do nothing but stay in the bed all day. There was nothing to do. And I'm like, this is boring. You know what I'm saying? Because my spirit man has been, what am I trying to say? Y'all know what I'm, uh, my spirit has been trained, thank you, to eat spiritual food. Then when you don't get it, it's like, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Oh boy. Then let's keep dancing. So. I knew that was coming. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you need, you need spiritual food. Now, the less, the more far away from spiritual food that you get, the more you're going to want it. The, the least, the, the less you're going to want it. Because you have to stay trained. See, you're going de- to desire what you used to having. If you are used to having spiritual food, then it causes you to want more. In other words, you can never satisfy a spiritual appetite because it keeps wanting more. It's kind of like drugs. You keep wanting more and more and more. But when you stop feeding that thing, the the less you want it, then you start getting used to staying home and because you find other things to do. Amen. But I said to myself that Saturday, I said, and I think it was raining too. It was real cold or something. I don't know, but it wasn't nothing to do but stay in. But when you, when you, <laughs> I go in there. I'm not going there. But when you, <laughs> I just had deja vu. Or, or maybe it was real. But when you desire more of God is because you're feeding yourself spiritual food and you'll desire more. You stop that. You won't want it. The hardest thing is to break down and start to eat that food again. That is hard. It's like breaking out of some kind of, you know, whatever. It's hard. And so that's, that's what you need is we need to desire spiritual food. We need spiritual hunger. Amen. And the way you desire it is keep feeding it, keep feeding it, keep feeding it. And then you'll desire more. 
So spiritual hunger increases your appetite for more spiritual food. And you never get enough. And you grow in spiritual wisdom. That's how wisdom comes. Eating spiritual food. If you keep missing spiritual meals, you stop craving it. You keep missing enough spiritual meals, you quit craving. It's hard to break yourself back into that. And it's kind of like you never knew it before. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of funny how that happened. Well, I was only gone three weeks. Yeah, but you don't desire it as much as you did because you had a break. And that's just the way it is. Amen. So we know how to become, uh, uh, have spiritual hunger. I see how Roberts wrote that book because his grand, Graham kept him in it since he was eight years old. And they say Graham making him do that. And he just, you know, knew nothing but spiritual food. And that's why he it kept that spiritual appetite fed. And that's how he, he, can, he could write that book about spiritual hunger. But if you stop feeding it, 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 it'll go away really quickly. Amen. So if you keep missing spiritual meals, you stop craving it. Amen. Then you stop going to church. Then you stop doing, reading your Bible because it becomes foreign to you. Amen. The more you miss it, the more you don't want it. Amen. Because you don't miss it. Amen. But physical hunger, now think about it when you're hungry spiritually. You know what you do? You eat till you're satisfied. And you notice that one meal you overeat, and then that one meal you're done, for, and you just don't want to look at food for a couple days. So physical hunger can be satisfied. That's all I'm saying. Spiritual hunger can't can't satisfy it. Does that make sense? Because you want more and more and more. And that's how we grow in God. That's how wisdom comes. Because you want more and more and more. Amen? Hallelujah. You have to keep eating spiritual food to desire it. You have to keep eating. If you stop eating it, you won't want it. You'll be like, I guess I have to go, you know. You push yourself. You have to push yourself. But thank God for those that push. Amen. Let's go to First Kings, and I'll be done. Well, I have two more, but let's go. how am I on the time, dearie? Oh, okay. Well, I got time to finish. First Kings three. And it's about Solomon. And it says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a, in a dream by night. And God said, ask what you shall. Wait a minute. Ask, what shall I give you? So God is asking Solomon, what do you want? Amen. And Solomon in verse 6 said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David my father because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you you have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne and it is this day now O lord my king 
you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous and and too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Amen. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. See, in other words, Solomon asked for wisdom instead of stuff. He didn't even want his position because he felt like he was too young and inexperienced. He wasn't looking at the position. He wanted to do a good job for God. But he didn't want to turn the position down because he knew you didn't turn down a great big God like ours. So when God said, what is it that you want? You know, what shall I give you? He says, I want to understand. He wanted understanding. He wanted to know how to govern the people. So he was really, he was asking for wisdom. Amen. I want to know, I want understanding. That's wisdom. A heart to judge your people because he treasured those people because they were God's people. And he didn't want to do anything wrong. Like some shepherds, I'll say, they they just run all over the people. Tap the basket and keep it moving. They don't care about, they don't pray for you. These churches are some of they don't pray for you. They don't pray for you. I, I was listening to some a guy was talking about, he was a pastor, and he went to visit another church. He said, there's no altar call, there's no, there's just a lot of music, and there's no offering offering of uh, prayer or, you know, w- what is your need? But thank God Solomon was not like that. He wanted to meet the people's needs. And he knew he needed understanding and wisdom to get that job done. And so instead of asking for things, he asked for wisdom. In verse 9, therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, and I may discern between good and evil. See, he wanted that discernment, that wisdom to govern the people of God. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Amen. Let's see, should I keep going? No, I'm going to stop right there. Well, I'll do 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding and discerning justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See that I have given you a wise, given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. In other words, he would be remembered for And did you see how God says he put that wise and understanding heart on the inside of him? Amen comes from God 
See, so it's good to ask God for something noble and pure, something of God. It's good to ask for those kind of things. So we need to fear and reverence. See, he had fear and reverence of God. That's the fear and the reverence of God. So be humble and learn to walk in humility because humility is the first step. If you don't have humility, you cannot have wisdom. Amen? Because when you humble yourself, you're dropping all your knowledge. You're dropping all your wisdom. You're dropping everything you know. You're dropping what you think is right for you. And you're saying, God, I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so I want to walk in your ways. I want to adapt your understanding. And I want what you have for me. 1 Corinthians 1.18. And we're reading that. And then I, I want to close with that. Uh, if you write James 1.5 down. James 1, 5, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And this is what Solomon did, who gives all liberally and without reproach, without mocking, without reminding us of our unworthiness, without scolding us, without ridiculing us. God will give you. He won't say, well, why you didn't ask me for that six months ago? God doesn't do you like that. The, the cry is what God is after. He's after the crying out. As long as you cry out and ask God what you need, he don't care how long it took you to come to your senses. He just want to meet you where you are. And he wants to give you what you need like he did Solomon. But it's all about attitude. It's all about wrong thinking. And ask with a listening and a grateful heart. And you see Solomon had to ask for that. He asked for an understanding heart, and God gave it to him. So that's James 1, 5. But let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 18, and we're going to read, and then I'll, I'll be done. Back to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. Hallelujah. And it says, and this is, is who, who is really the power of wisdom? And the wisdom of God. Who is the real power and wisdom of God? Of course, it's Christ. So it's going to talk about that in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 1. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And that word prudent means prideful. It says, where is the wise? Amen. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the, the wisdom of the world? Has, not, has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since... In the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. I'll read that verse 22 again. For Jews request a sign and Greeks after, seek after their wisdom. 
but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews as a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Are y'all getting that? (laughs) Verse 29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. Bottom line. Bottom line, God don't want flesh. He wants us to drop flesh, or in other words, drop foolishness and gain wisdom. Now you know what that means. That means drop your flesh. Drop arrogance. Drop foolishness. Drop what your plans. Drop that. And I want to read, um, okay, 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And that's where it is a whole. And now we see why most of us, it's hard to get wisdom. Because you got to drop foolishness. I want to read verse 27 again. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not. That's why God will anoint people that you don't think should be anointed. We look and say, hmm, that don't look good. They don't know nothing. Okay. Their abilities are not like mine. That's why he does that kind of stuff. She doesn't have a degree. Hmm. Amen. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. I'm in verse 30. Who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. Not in our own, putting ourselves more than we are. God just hates that. It just don't get us nowhere. Amen. I just want to do 27 one more time. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame all of our knowledge. Everything we think we know. In other words, God ain't exalting flesh. Nobody's flesh. But he will show you just about what he think about your fleshly deeds by raising somebody up that's less than you and for them to be exalted. That's how he, that's how he operates. Why? Because he don't want you to kill yourself. Flesh kills. He wants righteousness. Amen.
He wants sanctification. He wants redemption and for us to live out of it. So become foolish so that we can become wise. Amen. Praise God. So why don't we stop? Father, we do thank and praise you. Hallelujah. We lift you up today. Oh, we love you, Lord. We, we desire wisdom, Lord God. Give us wisdom like you gave Solomon. Give us instruction so that we may hear. And we thank you, Father, because wisdom is the principal thing. It's the most important thing. It's more important than an anointing. It's more important than fame, friends, fortune. But we want wisdom so that we can navigate through this earth properly and successfully. And we thank and praise you, Father, and we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and praise God. Hallelujah. So if there's anybody in need prayer, you can come up.